When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Only on the BetQL Network. Tapped Out recap time here on the BetQL Network with our producer, Jake Galley, Brendan Tobin. I am Sean Levine. And boy, last Saturday night, all kinds of fight action. Let's go ahead and start in the octagon with the main event. Charles Oliveira. I almost said kept his belt. He didn't because he lost his belt on the scale. He won the fight. So now he's the number one contender. If you didn't watch, Gaethje had his moments. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw it like I did, BT. I felt like, for lack of a better term, um, Charles Oliveira in the first round was playing possum. Like, (laughs) yeah, I felt like a few of those times, maybe those were knockdowns, but also he wanted to be on his back because once I got on the ground and Gaethje wasn't buying, right? And then once he did, and once he got to the ground, Charles Oliveira did his thing, but it's, Oliveira won the fight. Oliveira's going to get a fight again for the strap. In my eyes, he's still the champion with the whole thing, but it it wasn't completely one-sided. I mean, Gaethje had his moments. How'd you see the fight? Same. I mean, honestly, it was a lot like his last two fights, which is what I thought going into this is like he's going in there with two dangerous guys with really, really good hands. And I think that, you know, Michael Chandler probably had the best line afterwards in the press conference. We got to stop disrespecting Charles Oliveira's hands like the guy. The guy can crack the guy. The guy is dangerous on his feet. Yes, clearly. I mean, his submission game is at another level, but he is so damn good at using those hands to get to his submissions to finish these fights. And I just don't think these guys are at his level with that. Um, So, yeah, I I thought Justin had his moments. It was a wild fight while it lasted. It was fun, but, uh, but I'm with you. I think he looks a cut above right now. He looks like uh, he he looks well, as long as he's, as long as he can beat the scale, it feels like nobody can beat Charles Oliveira right now in that division. Good thing that fight was fun because the fight before that, the co-main absolutely sucked like a straw. Good. Rose and Carla as far as I mean, honestly, so Carla won. We don't need to talk talk about it too much. It was just a brutal fight. Let's get back to the uh, Oliveira win real quick. So what do you think is next? Because Dana said in the press conference afterwards, he's like, it's very obvious. Charles Oliveira doesn't have the belt, but he gets to fight for it next. Who does he fight for in your eyes? It's an interesting question because Dana seems like he still is hung up on this uh, Makachev Benil Daryush uh, fight for the number one contendership. And it's funny, I guess Joe Rogan uh, is campaigning for just going straight to Islam for the uh, for the title fight. I'm fine with either. I'm fine with them having a fight to earn it against Oliveira. And I'm fine with uh, with Makachev kind of just getting there because, you know, I think it's I think he's at a point right now where 
it wasn't his fault what happened in the in the last fight falling out. You know, he did get the win in dominant fashion. It's kind of a weird punishment to hang over his head, uh, even though I was mad at him for like promising me he was going to fight and then he didn't fight. Um, so I'm fine. I'm fine if Islam gets the shot, but I, I guess that's kind of on Charles. Like, when does he want to get back in? I imagine that his status now as champion kind of messes with this contract. So I would figure he wants to get fighting for the belt as soon as possible because you make pay-per-view points when you're the champion. So I think that uh, I, I think that he'd probably just want to go directly instead of those guys finishing their business. Islam's an is interesting one just because it's a different type of challenge than these other guys. They're not like your quintessential, you know, come forward brawlers like Poirier and Chandler and, and Gaethje are. But that ground game and having to deal with uh, with with Olivera's submission game is interesting. It's it's a lot. It's kind of like the new age Tony versus Khabib. Like that was always the thing with Tony's like unorthodox, really good on his back. Good strikes from his back. That's an interesting riddle for Khabib to solve. And we never got to see it. So this is kind of the next generation of that. And when you were talking about the bet going into it, you said you were going to put your money on Oliveira, and you ended up being right because of he's kind of been fighting those same dudes, right? Like you look at his past few fights, he's kind of the same guy that's willing to brawl, you know, willing to go out there and strike early. Um, good point about Makachev. He's not that guy. How do you think the odds would pan out for that? Like, I, I know this is crazy, but that might be a pick and fight. I think a ton of money would just come in on Makachev. I agree with you. I, I was actually thinking about that the day after, like what were the odds? Look like? I think I agree because we've seen this with the odds makers. When a guy is just that good grappling, the odds just tend to swing his favor. Anyway, I, I feel like the odds makers always swing towards guys who are just that dominant at grappling, but because I think Charles Oliveira is finally getting the respect he deserves. I, I do feel like it'll be a little bit more evened out. Uh, if this was, I think if, if Magachev almost got this shot two fights ago, he'd be even a favorite against Oliveira. But now I think that Oliveira's at the point where he'd get the respect where it'd be even if I had to lean someone was going to be a favorite, I'd say slight Oliveira would be a favorite. So the card, like BT said, that fight was good. The main event, it was short, but it was fun. The Rose versus Carlos Esparza fight was just, I mean, I, I don't know what happened. Maybe the most boring fight that I've ever seen. In the, like that I was made, mostly watching Canelo during it because it was on at the same time, which was kind of annoying, but it was uh, – but I know poor Canelo's not going to sit there with her another UFC card to go fight. I was watching but, uh, paint dry, and it was more exciting than oh, wow. watching that Rosa Sparza fight. Goodness gracious. But let's move on to the fight that happened right before that, which was, I mean, the kick her around the world. Tony Ferguson basically got his face kicked off by Michael Chandler. If you haven't seen it, YouTube, but you have missed out on what Dana White said. It's the most violent knockout that he's ever seen. I tend to agree. Tony Ferguson left in a um, legs cross, like corpse-like position. It looked terrible. Michael Chandler, you could tell, even before he cut the promo, which we'll talk about here in a minute, when he took the octagon and called out Conor McGregor, he was like, he didn't want to look back. You knew that he he put such damage on him. It took him a while. When he was jumping, looking for his kid and he's doing all, he did four backflips. And then he jumped on the octagon. He started looking for his kid. And then he looked back. We're talking about like a minute and a half, two minutes real time. He knew that it was bad for Tony Ferguson. Before we talk about the promo and all the aftermath and what's next for Chandler, let's talk about that head kick. I mean, dude, that was violent. And Tony was probably winning round one. I was getting ready to text you guys. I was getting ready to text you guys and be like, all right, I told you guys, seven to one, Tony by decision. We have one round in the book. He's looking good. If he can just survive, I think he's going to win the fight. But, uh, yeah, he didn't survive. Well, yeah, it's the brutal thing about the sport, right? Like he does look good. He looks good for a round, and and uh, it's just it's such a crazy thing because Michael Chandler, he's like, I don't even train that kick. I don't like training front kicks. It hurts my feet. 
And so he just kind of pulls it out of nowhere, but it's just, it's such a devastating knockout. Like we've seen this now a couple of times pretty recently where like Frankie Edgar gets his face literally like looks like it ages 80 years when they freeze frame it, when he gets kicked by Cheeto Vera, same thing with Tony Ferguson. Those still shots are just, it, it's bananas what these guys go through when they take a shot like that. Uh, and I'm with him. Like, I, I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like being in that cage after actually doing that. Cause I was shook watching it. Like there are as many fights as I watch. I watched something like that with Tony, that flatline. I'm just like, Jesus, is he going to get up? Um, and you feel for him because you know, it probably is the best we've seen. That round was probably the best we've seen Tony looking a long, long time. And for all the lights to just kind of go out like that is, is, is just really, really cruel. But yeah, Chandler, Chandler is, uh, I, I feel like he's setting himself up for something big. I don't know what it is, but he's, he's exciting in the cage. He's great on the microphone and you feel good for a guy like that. You know, he was talking about this a little bit in the post game, just like people don't realize you know, as much crap as the UFC takes. He goes, people don't realize what it's like in other organizations. I do. And he's, uh, he seems very appreciative of, all this attention and star power and fame that he gets. Cause for the longest time he carried Bellator without that much fanfare other than from the hardcores. He is super relatable compared to other superstars. Like yeah. he was looking for his kid and he was crying. He was emotional. He knows what he is. He's better probably on the microphone than he is in the octagon. He even like he's self-deprecating. He pointed out, well, I'm only a 500 fighter in the UFC now. So that's good. Like he is just, and he's must-watch TV. Like, everything that he says, I remember a long time ago, Connor said something to the effect of, I say it, but I back it up. I back it up. I mean, Michael Chandler has backed it up. Everything that he has said coming over from Bellator, like, I almost wish now, knowing what he's done in his four USC fights, that he was just here longer, man. I Agreed. wish they had figured that out sooner. That dude is absolutely an animal. So, and that promo that he cut, I've watched, I'm not even lying to you guys. I've watched it three times today. Like I can almost do it verbatim when he takes that deep breath afterwards and he goes, Connor McGregor, you got to <laughs> come back and fight somebody. I mean, dude, it still gives me chills. Do you think because the way he called him out and the way he looked in that fight that we could actually see McGregor like that be his comeback fight? Cause who, like, again, he said, who doesn't want to see that? Bro, who wouldn't be around their TV to watch Michael Chandler fight Conor McGregor? Yeah, I mean, it would be an amazing fight promotion. I mean, he's definitely been wanting that for a while. I mean, everybody does. It's kind of one of those things. It's like if you're not going to get a title shot, it's the Poirier thing. Like the other thing you want is Red Panty Night. You want to take on Conor McGregor. Um, it's as good as option as any. Like, I don't think a fourth fight with Poirier is very necessary, even if the third fight ended with the leg break. And this Nate Diaz thing, like, I don't know what's going to happen, dude. They go back on social media back and forth. So if you're looking at the other options that are out there, okay, is he going to actually jump to a title shot and fight Usman? Is that the smart thing to do? Or should he fight Chandler at 170 or 155, whatever, and hope that leads to a title shot? Like, what's the smarter thing? Honestly, I think it's probably fighting Chandler because you know Chandler is going to stand and bang with you a little bit. It's going to be an entertaining fight. I don't like Connor's chances of it. I, you know, I think that I think Michael Chandler's just been now in the, in, still in the prime of his career while Connor is injured and, you know, not racking up wins, but it's a fun fight. I'll definitely pay for it. All those names that you just said didn't even mention Mazadol. It could be Gaethje now that he's lost. Like Con Connor's comeback, man, is, and you know what? Let's save a lot of this for the show coming up on Saturday, five to seven Eastern time, because we'll break this down. Honestly, I think that there's probably, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I don't think it's exaggerating. Somewhere between six and ten options for Connor when he comes back. So I don't think the question is really what's best for McGregor at this point. I think it's what's best for the promotion. Like, I True. think the promotion is the one. Yeah, who, what do they want to do? And, 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 yeah, exactly. But in Connor's earned the right to kind of dictate where if he gets told this is the fight, he can veto it and say, no, I don't think so. I think that this one makes more sense or more money, whatever it is. So it'll be really interesting. Go ahead. I think that's the savvy thing with Chandler too, is he's smart like that because he kind of kisses Connor's ass. Like, uh, you know, say, Oh, he gets the right. He gets to choose, but like, yeah, I'll even do it at 170. So like he's really buttering it up because he knows how valuable that is to a guy, uh, you know, for a guy, like we said, just was in Bellator. Imagine, what it's like five fights in, you get the the huge payday taken on Conor McGregor. So he's uh he's gonna put everything out there to set himself up and set his family up. But I think it's uh it's a smart move by Mike to do that. Mike Chandler's that guy that we all went to high school with that just like, man, he's good looking and he's a good fighter, and he's got the girl, and he's a good family man, and he like gets it and he's smart, and he's articulate. He just he's you're right, he's playing this absolutely perfect for himself. So we'll break down the Chandler thing, we'll break down the McGregor thing, tapped out five to seven Eastern time on Saturday on the BetQL Network. Before we get out of here on the Tapped Out Recap, man, like, who thought Canelo was going to lose? That was nuts. I got I DVR'd it, and I fell asleep because those damn UFC fights were on so late. Woke up, tried to avoid all of your guys' text messages. You guys give me this 25 text chain, me, you, and Jake. I'm thinking, oh, goodness, what happened? And I watch it, and that dude lost the fight. And honestly, I don't know how many rounds he won. Like, it felt like the, the, the judges just gave him a little bit of props because he's Canelo and he was going against yeah. whoever this Dimitri Bebo guy was. I thought people won like nine rounds. Bro. You know, it's a funny thing too. When you take on a guy who is that famous, like you will get the early rounds just because you're you like, you literally just have to show up and it feels like you could win the first three rounds if they're super even, which is kind of what happened. Uh, I'm with you, man. Bevel put it on him and, uh, and, and look great. I certainly whiffed on that one. I thought that, uh, you know, that that Canelo, the thing with Canelo is he's looked really good against big guys. For a guy who didn't start naturally at any of these bigger weight classes, he's looked really good going up in weight. And so I just didn't think that. I thought with the speed and it just wasn't a factor. You know that jab was just so effective. Bebo was so good and so skilled. His amateur background really showed out. But you know you're talking about a guy in Canelo who's got 60 pro fights. So I didn't think it would be that large of a gap. But you know one thing with Canelo, I think is a good reminder. Um, that you kind of get lost up in the hype of some guys and people comparing, Oh, would he have beaten Floyd Floyd in his prime? If they would have fought now is that, you know, Canelo as entertaining as he is. And I think that, you know, he's a, he's maybe a more entertaining star than Floyd ever was. He, he has had some flaws against very skilled fighters. A lot of many, many people, I would say everybody who's not in Canelo's family thought that he lost the first fight to triple G. Some thought that he lost the second fight to triple G. He lost to uh, people thought that he lost to Ares Landy Lara close fight with Austin Trout. Like he's not been a guy who's like, they, you know, so when you say he's lost, he hasn't lost since 2013. It's very impressive. And the record is what it is. But there's definitely been some ones where you're just like, mm, feels like he kind of got the rub there. So this one was so undeniable by Bevel. It does make you wonder all this talk about Canelo going up to cruiserweight and to heavyweight. Feels like it kind of put a, a damper on that. Uh, definitely seems like it put a, a pin in Triple G uh, Canelo three, and he wants to go right to the rematch. 
And Beevil's talking about going down in weight. He wants to fight for all of Canelo's belts at 168. So that'll be an interesting thing. I would venture to guess it's still going to be at 175. Canelo's going to do almost a, a McGregor thing where he probably wants to get back at the weight that he lost at. Uh, that's like what happened with uh, Canelo, with uh, McGregor and Nate Diaz. Yeah. So I think he's going to do something similar to that. But um, it was a humbling night for Canelo, for sure. So let's say that they do run it back at the same weight class and they're both healthy. You know, it's like end of the year, beginning of next year, whenever it is. Who do you think's favored to win that fight? I got to think it's Bevo, man. I, I don't. That's crazy. I, I, That's I think crazy. It, it is crazy. Like it's uh, for a guy who was plus 400 going into this <laughs> Floyd Mayweather, by the way, shout out to him. He uh, I think he made like $45,000. He bet 10 K on, on Bevo to win this fight. Um, yeah, That's I think I, I the money. That's good. I definitely. Glad to hear this. Definitely. Yeah. He's got to, he's got to buy some playoff tickets, you know, for sure. I think, uh, or maybe go pay Logan Paul. I don't know, but he, uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think that you see a performance like that and a guy looks like he's just size wise has the formula to go beat him. If he's not going to be the favorite, it's not going to be anywhere. I mean, the odds obviously aren't going to be anywhere close to what they were. I would say they'd be, they would be uh, probably, it would probably be under two to one for that. Looking forward to that. But before we get out of here on the tapped out recap, producer Jake in Philly, Brendan down there in Miami, Jake, make your mic live. We got ourselves a basketball series, boys. We're not on the air coming up until Saturday. So the Heat were up two to zero, and BT's texting, ah, it's over, Heat and five, yada, yada, yada. And BT comes oh, back it? all of a sudden. We're at two games apiece, boys. So this is my question How many games do we have before the next show? Do you think that the series is going to be over by then? Yeah, two, two before. Okay. Yeah. Is this, is, tomorrow's game five, and is it Friday's game six? Or is it Thursday's okay. game six? Either way, it's before the show. So we'll have two yeah. before the show. Is it over? Are we going to go seven games? How we see this thing playing out? Oh, it's it's going to be over, dude. Games, it'll be over in six. Don't worry about it. Uh, no sweat. I, I don't know, man. I think the Sixers, I do worry that, like, this version of Harden that we've been getting, you got to temper expectations. Yo, he was a beast last night. Dude. He was awesome. The game? He was amazing, which is cause for concern if that's what's getting you by. But I think you see Embiid's defensive presence. That's why he should have won MVP. I've been on a crusade all morning. I actually uh, agree on, with that. On, on Twitter. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Well, it, it does worry me going back to Miami. Um that first game back in Miami, we'll see if Joel's really there to play when uh, things get ramped up. But I, I don't know. In seven so- sounds good to me. I'll take it in seven. Sixers and seven. And honestly, for the for the sake of our show, I wouldn't be mad if they each win their home games. Then it goes seven. And then you know what? Let's be honest. Like the next UFC fight next Saturday leaves a little bit of to, to be desired compared to what we saw last Saturday night. Rockage takes on Blahovich. So we'll break that down. But I very much don't. Whole- I very much don't need this because my daughter's birthday is the day of game seven. If there was a game seven. And uh, so I'm trying to speak into existence that not happening. Cause I just can't have, I can't have, you're, I can't have a game seven on the day. My daughter turns 10. You're, you're a really good father and everybody knows that. And you're going to be, you know, our daughter turning double digits is a big deal, but at some point, Brendan, you have to have priorities. And if it's a game seven with the Miami heat, I mean, come on, bro. Like, sorry, you know, let her let her tell, tell her you got it wrong at birth and her birthday was actually the day before the day afterwards and the next she does, she's not gonna out, she's not she's not four dude she's 10 she's she's through that bulb leap <laughs> she'll get over it brendan tobin sean the pj galley tapped out recap we'll talk to you guys on saturday night five to seven eastern time on the bet ql network